0: We specifically focus on office CRE exposures where stresses appear to be compounding. Though office CRE has been in a multi-year decline, pressures are now intensifying. The banking shocks should only amplify these pressures and would and could complicate the role of sizable CMBS loans coming due in 23 and 24.
1: Welcome to tomorrow's news. The podcast that cuts through the noise on venture capital and alternative investing. I'm Lucy Doo, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting and ever-changing world of investing with my co-host, Gavin Ezekowitz, the co-founder of BFA Global Investors. Together, we bring you our take on the hottest discussions in growth investing and global markets, from Silicon Valley startups to the burgeoning markets in Asia and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, join us as we dive deep into the world of alternative investing. Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's Family and Associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. In this episode, we are joined by Ronnie Green, founder and manager of GFAM Global Credit Opportunities Fund, and an experienced global credit analyst to discuss the current state of the commercial real estate market. We explore how the recent banking crisis has impacted the real estate market and what it means for investors. We discuss the endured stress on banks' balance sheets, the impact on the bond market, and how these factors are affecting the real estate market. We also take a look at how Australia fares in all of this drama. Shortly after the recording of this episode news broke out that First Republic Bank had been bought by JP Morgan, which opens up further discussion on banks' earning power and how credit events get realized in the system. We will delve deeper into these topics next time. And now, here's Gavin and Ronnie.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Great to be here again with Lucy and with Ronnie Green, our global expert on all things um, fixed income. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about a hot topic. It's probably going to get hot even during this podcast, which is being recorded midday in Australia, because we're going to find out what happens to First Republic, maybe even the next hour or so. And that can impact a bunch of areas in the market. But one of them that certainly is right in the eye of the market at the moment is commercial real estate. And a little quote, Ronnie sent this over to me, and I thought it just captured the zeitgeist said, We specifically focus on office CRE exposures where stresses appear to be compounding. Though office CRE has been in a multi-year decline, pressures are now intensifying. The banking shocks should only amplify these pressures and, would, and could complicate the role of sizable CMBS loans coming due in 23 and 24. And Ronnie's going to tell us what that means. But I also want to provide the counterpoint, a guy who made all of his money. In commercial real estate, Sam Zell told a bunch of NYU graduate students that remote work is a bunch of BS, and they should dismiss the idea
2: of working from home.
0: (laughs) Ronnie, what do you make of the noise in
2: commercial real estate? Firstly, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. I think big picture is that the world's changed post-pandemic, right? It really accelerated some trends and around the valuation of commercial property. I think like Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, et cetera put it to the fore. Like JP Morgan said, it's been in a multi-year decline. And some of the transactions have been a little bit scary, especially overseas. Places like San Francisco, where there's been some demographic changes, et cetera, couple that with the pandemic and some stress on the funding side of the balance sheets that you get a bit of a recipe for some disaster. To be quite honest, I think the US banks that have been in trouble hasn't really been caused by commercial real estate. It's been more uh, an interest rate story, but it's all connected, right? Higher rates, office buildings especially are high duration assets. I think if cap rates got 50 basis points call it a 20 year asset that's 10% in valuation just for 50 basis points right and it's not very much so it's not looking great for long duration assets.
0: No and and you're right when you look I think San Francisco currently cell phone use in downtown San Francisco is 30% of what it was pre-pandemic. And you can look at a whole bunch of centers that are not dissimilar to that. But We're not Captain James Cook, who's probably a bit of a controversial figure, but we haven't discovered anything here, right, Ronnie? I mean, I look at the Vornado Realty Trust last price. Uh, Now trading, you can get it at the same share price that you could have last bought it in about 1996 or 97, okay? So we're not the first onto the story. And in fact, when you look at investor pessimism and put buying and all these things, Do you think when you look at the bonds, and let's talk about bonds, not equities, when you look at the bonds, do you see any of that showing up yet or not
2: really? Just anecdotally, Stockland, they came to the market last week, a big uh, diversified real estate player. They're probably the best, the one that you want to open up the market. And they issued a, I think it was a seven or eight-year Aussie dollar bond, and it's single A rated. It came at reasonable valuation, but there just wasn't very much demand for it at all at all. And single A, and it didn't trade particularly well. I think the market's still very skeptical. And for a lot of the developers, at least locally, the reality of the situation has not caught up in the valuations on the balance sheet. I don't think people have taken their pain yet. And I think that's partly because the valuers haven't seen many transactions in the markets. I don't think there's too many willing sellers. I think the buyers are super opportunistic at the moment. Those with capital want 15 20% discounts at Least that's what I see. So there's quite a big disconnect between the bid and offer on real estate here. But yeah, like in terms of distress, no, I think in the broad market, I was looking at the Aussie index as an example. About 15% of the index is REITs. Part of that is office. There's no real stress, but they're very high quality here. I think like generally 20 to 25% geared. So you're not going to see distress in that market. I think it's more in the private capital market where we're starting to see some distress. Big believer of this kind of view that risk doesn't disappear. It just moves around, right? So APRA got the risk of commercial off the Aussie banks and moved it into the private markets. And we're starting to see quite some defaults in that market. In the US, like CMBS spreads, things like that, those have cheapened up a bit, but it's not exceptionally cheap at the moment. No.
0: So you're not seeing massive value yet in CMBS. I mean, with this, what, $2.5 I think is the number, I wrote it down somewhere. Something like two and a half trillion needs to be refinanced before 2025 in CMBS, right? And still sounds like the market may not have totally adjusted.
2: The CRE markets, there's a few different tax on that market, but I think specifically what people worry about is office, right? Like industrial, other types of retail is not really in that bucket. It's really the commercial real estate bucket. Often the CMBS is higher quality type of stuff, I think there's no exceptional distress in the broad markets at the moment. And I don't think it's a time to be gung-ho in that space. You're seeing with First Republic now, if that leads to some forced selling, et cetera, then maybe maybe things come up cheap. But at the moment, things certainly aren't cheap, especially in Australia.
0: Pulling back a level, it does make me wonder what happens when we have a higher for longer base rate in terms of the cost of capital is adjusted for a much longer period than people expect. Yeah, that's and, the risk. Yeah. You know, and I think JP Morgan talks about, it, right? It's There's a carry trade that has been free money. And do people get carried out? And One of the areas where there's just a lot of capital is in Commercial real estate, and while it's sort of convenient to say, "Well, it's just office," at the end of the day, is there a reason why that doesn't leak across to other assets? Now, I'm not saying it necessarily, but it does make me think.
2: You're right. Like I think on these long duration assets with higher rates, right? Like I said before, a 50 basis point move up in cap rates, which is not very much, right? If you go from four to four and a half. It's not super a lot on a cap rate down 10%. And, you know, like we saw 30 year bonds. I mean, this is what did Silicon Valley Bank in, right? They were buying 30 year treasuries and they were down 30, 40%, right? And that's real, real AAA liquid. I think if rates stay higher for longer, I think those cap rates have to adjust. I don't think people will be that happy with a 4% cap rate, even a prime property. I saw a chart like cap rates have been coming down for 40 years and perhaps we've hit that inflection point, and you can't rely on capital growth anymore to boost your absolute returns. And if people look to just income growth, then I think these asset prices will need to adjust here. So what is your sense about
0: where to hide? And look, I've got a bit of an agenda here. My agenda is one of our guys just went to an event the other day, and a very smart person It's talking about how they're piling into private credit. And I can sort of make the case on private credit. I can make the case that you're going to see a readjustment. And I'm talking in the US here, not in Australia. But you're going to see a readjustment of capital rules for banks. They're certainly going to go into sort of an earnings decline. Make the case why private credit slides in like post-GFC. On the other hand, it feels to me... Like there hasn't really been a real adjustment in terms of the real underlying asset values of the investors' fund, unlike in a public Mm -hmm. or your fund where you mark to market every day. So people are looking at the running yield, but really have no awareness of the true capital base and the true capital risk.
2: Am I being unfair? No, I think we're in a bit of a regime shift here, Gavin, if I have to be honest. So I think that in the past, you've always had this tailwind of capital appreciation on the underlying asset, right? Whether it's an office block or residential, et cetera. I'm not so sure that that's still with us. I think that kind of guarantee capital appreciation, 10% up per year because it's property, et cetera. I'm not sure that stays with us over the foreseeable future, especially if rates stay high. To be able to be confident that you can refinance into another lender, et cetera, at lower, ever lower rates. I think that reality has certainly changed. So I think the calculus is different now. So you better be doing your underwriting here. I read an interesting quote as I was preparing for this podcast. The good thing about commercial real estate is you can do enormous tickets. And if you want to grow your lending book, you just do one commercial loan. Typically do it at the top of the cycle. You grow your book. Look what Silicon Valley, as an example. It's a great way. And a lot of banks did this at the top of the cycle. And interestingly, Charlie Munger was just quoted in the FT. I don't know if you saw that, Gavin. But he said there's a lot of agony out there. And I think it's quite telling that we're not hearing about Berkshire looking at First Republic, are we? As far as I'm aware. So Warren's not buying banks. But I said this
0: a few weeks ago. I said, if he's not buying, I'm not buying. He's a yeah. million times smarter than I am. Yeah, but, but I, I think that's part of the reason, isn't yeah. it, Ronnie? What we've had is we have certainly had a capital event, but we haven't
2: had a credit event yet. Absolutely. But look, I think it's all related, right? I mean, like, why is there deposit flight from First Republic Bank? What is the issue underlying that deposit flight? And it's worries about. The underlying assets, which in this case are jumbo mortgage loans, which are not marked correctly, as an example. I think if you look, like I looked at First Republic's balance sheet before, and it's not that heavy on commercial. It's more like these jumbo mortgages yep. that sat on the balance sheet. They didn't get securitized. So the bank stuck with them. Right. I think there's always some underlying catalyst here, and it could be Mark Demith accounting, as I spoke about before. And you're right, it's just unrealistic marks on the assets. The underlying cause here. And that's why you see guys like Buffett not looking at this asset. And it's the national team like a JP Morgan that's going to have to step in, I suspect, to stem the pain here.
0: We talked a little bit about how this plays out. But one of the problems with these kinds of assets in our, call it our TikTok world, <laughs> is that one of the things people forget about is that Bear Stearns subprime fund went down in mid 2007, and the GFC didn't start till 2008. Now, yes, information's faster and transmission of stuff and whatever. There was no Twitter back then. But at the end of the day, it takes a long time. Like we got to see a lot of office deals falling over, unfinanceable, no buyers, buildings going vacant. It feels to me that it just may take a lot of time for this to play out, right? And that means people don't get the miracle cure of the Fed cutting rates so quickly either.
2: It may take a year or more. Gavin, what's that anecdote when a butterfly flaps its wings and just So yeah, I think there's some pain to be had here for sure. The Fed can't affect, at least directly, the asset side of the balance sheet, right? They can show up the funding lender of last resort 100%. But if there's a real collateral issue here which I suspect that we're starting to see the beginnings of and probably started with the LDI crisis over in the UK in October. That was the beginning of it. But yeah, the Fed's starting to break things, right? I don't think it's an 08, 09 type thing, but oh, we're going to get some pain here. And the underlying structural issues with commercial real estate, with the work from home stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Look, I think that probably improves a bit in a recession. I was listening to a call recently, Gavin, from APPF. It's an Australian prime property fund. It's run by Lease. And they were tracking the water usage at of their offices, which are a pretty key metric for how many people are in there. Yeah, they said those stats are going up, but it's still only at 60% utilization of these are prime, prime offices, like one farer place, et cetera. So people are going to need to go back in the office in a recession, I believe. And I think it's going that way, like Zell was saying. So I think that improves. But does that offset? the high cap rates at it. I'm not so sure. And I think this is a re- regime change. I don't think we can rely on capital appreciation so much going forward. And if your investment thesis is based around that, then I think it's best to reassess that and start looking at underlying cash flows.
0: Fantastic, Ronnie. Always a pleasure chatting with you. We'll We'll do a recap depending on how First Republic gets resolved here. And certainly going to be interested in your views around positioning post-Fed this week. So going to be interesting times, some volatility, always a good time to make some money. Yeah, seriously.
2: Uh, I think also that listed versus unlisted world is pretty interesting. I was hearing there's probably a 15 to 20% gap between listed versus unlisted. And there were some secondaries on the market on the equity side. But on the debt side, I'm staying in the portfolio pretty far away from commercial property. Thank God APRA's is doing a great job on the banks here. They've been very cautious and that's going to hold Australia in good stead. But if the US sneezes, we'll certainly catch a cold, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps presents an opportunity. Well, great talking to you today, Ronnie. Thanks so much for your insights. Always tremendous. And we'll look forward to talking to you in a week or two.
2: Thanks, Gavin. Thanks, Lucy.
1: Don't forget, you can subscribe to Tomorrow's News on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts.